0: Hey everyone, it is Nick Bradley here. Welcome to Scale Up for this week. So my guest today is the awesome Dave Fork. Now I first met Dave when I was speaking at an event in Florida last year, and he was speaking at the same event. Now, as it goes when you get invited to speak, you can see what other people are talking about. And what you kind of don't wanna do is do the same presentation, right? You don't wanna stand up on stage and say exactly the same thing. And because Dave was booked to speak before me, he kind of took the spot that was all about acquisitions. Now, that's cool because I like to talk about scale-up and exits and all those sort of things. But I thought, well, I'm going to have to, you know, listen to Dave's talk just to see if I can learn some stuff too. And boy, oh boy, did I learn some things. So firstly, I'm not going to, you know, wreck today's episode too much. We're going to get into it in a second. You know, Dave bought this business called Reputation Rhino. And sometimes people think from the outside in that acquisitions... kind of easy you see a lot of marketing out there about you know no money down and all this sort of thing well dave's story just blew me away because it took him multiple attempts and multiple offers to get this business over the line and what he has done with this business since in terms of growing it uh making it more precise uh creating value building wealth for himself is just incredible and i knew once i'd heard him speak in Florida that I had to have him on the show.
1: You know, you start putting everything at arm's reach and you start looking for all the things that you don't have in life and then you start to focus around that. You know, why not focus on all the great that you do have?
0: But what's happened since is we've found that our experiences, our perspectives are quite complementary, and we have developed a really fun friendship as a result of that first meeting. So who is Dave Fork? Well, he describes himself as a, in fact, he said he's narrowed this down, (laughs) to a maverick, a CEO, an investor, and a husband and father. And actually, this last point about being a really strong family man with really strong values is the thing that I think connected both of us together. But today, we're going to focus, if you like, not so much on the acquisition of Reputation Rhino. We are going to get into that to some extent. But what I really wanted to delve into during our conversation was this concept of operational precision because I don't even think Dave recognizes this fully of himself yet, but he's a genius when it comes when it comes to going into businesses, setting up the systems, setting up the processes, making them run like a well-oiled
1: machine. I think why people struggle in that area is there's two very different types of business acquisitions. Are you going to be in the day-to-day? Are you gonna be operating it? Or are you trying to buy it as an investor where you just sit back and let everybody else run. it.
0: This is one of those conversations that could have gone on and on and on because we kept going deeper and deeper and deeper into all of the things that you need to do to grow and scale a business. So get your notepad, notepads and pens to the ready and please welcome to Scale Up with Nick Bradley, Dave Holt. Hey, everyone. It is Nick Bradley. Welcome to another episode of Scale Up With Me, Nick Bradley. Today, I have a guest on the show who I first met a few months back now, um, speaking on the same stage at an event in Tampa. And this guy absolutely rocked the room with the story that he told around a business that he invested in, acquired, And I was just blown away by a number of different things, which I'm sure we're going to unpack through the conversation today. But as I got to know this guy a little bit more, I realized that he is an absolute shrewd operator when it comes to coming into businesses, turning them around, scaling them up, finding pots of revenue that may be hidden from other people. And today I want to get into how do you get into a business and really start to operationalize the machine? How do you kind of get into the detail of those sort of things? And I love to bring people onto the show who are scale-up experts and scale-up geeks like myself. So welcome, Mr. Dave Falk, to Scale Up with Nick Bradley.
1: Oh, man, Nick, thank you so much for having me here. I am and uh, excited to be here, for sure. <laughs> We're
0: going to play with that word a little bit, aren't we? I, I... We have to. I, mean, I, I don't think we can't not. No, we can't. Yeah, particularly because I'm looking. I'm looking at your website right now, and you've got the the folk effect. And just just so everyone's clear, like, because because my accent and your accent and all that, like, we, we are actually saying F U L K here, right? We're not saying any other word, just to be super clear. Um, and you start off your website by, by saying being be folking awesome. I mean, why <laughs> would which, you is, which is are which you is which um, is humble. It's humble, Dave. It's a humble start to your uh, communication with the world. Well, that's one of my qualities is, is my humbleness. Uh, well, we'll get, let's get into it. So, so, you know, we're going to talk around a few different things. I do want to uh, touch on the speech that you gave in Tampa, uh, because I think it's very appropriate to the listeners and what they're trying to do. A lot of the people here have businesses. They're looking to scale via acquisitions. They're looking to think a little bit bigger around their growth strategies. And one of the things that impressed me, as I, as I mentioned in the intro, is your operational precision when you come into a business and start to look at all the different um, levers that you can pull. So I kind of want to get into a bit today about how you do that, what your sort of philosophy is around those sort of things. But before we do, before we do, we just mucked around with your name for five minutes. Um, Let's get to know you. Right. So, so, so just, you know, just tell us a little bit about you, Dave, your story um, and, you know, kind of what you're doing now.
1: Yeah, man, we'll, we'll run through kind of a, a quick background on me. Grew up, uh, lower middle class as a kid, uh, didn't have really all that I wanted, but had everything that I needed. Grew up in a loving family home, very blue collar, uh, very non-entrepreneurial. Um, you know, very, you, you work for the same company your whole life and you retire after 30 years of service with them on a pension. And man, that that is the American dream. And that's kind of what I was born with. And it just, I don't know, it never fit. Right, I was always I was always a, a puzzle piece short of completing the thing, and I went through. I was actually a police officer. Um, you know, so right? What, you were a police. You were a police officer. I was, yeah, right. Oh, Twenty-one. Wow. I became became a cop. Um, you know, did did that. I loved the the craziness of it. You know, driving around with the woo was on is a lot of fun. Yeah, but wow. it, it, again, it. I was still just that one puzzle piece short, and it wasn't later into my my twenties. You know. My late 20s where it just clicked and I, I started a business with a guy and it was just from that moment on, it was just like a light switch. And it was like I found my thing. Um, and it was it was hard, you know, growing up with the polar opposites, even until the day my dad passed away. He just didn't comprehend what I did. Right. He just didn't get it, it was so against what he was brought up in his, his life that he lived. Um, you it's know such a I,
0: common story though, Dave. I mean, like, you know, I talk about it as a paradigm shift, right? There's a thing here cuz my mine's similar. I had no entrepreneurs really in my family. I think there were some people, well, my dad was, but he wasn't around. So I didn't have the um that environment until I met him many years later and by that time I was kind of into it, right? But um everyone around me was like saying, well, you know, why start a business? You know, you've got to get a job, right? A job equals security. And but I don't blame any of those people, which is kind of what they knew, right? but it was difficult because it didn't fit me 100%. And I was trying to make them proud, but at the same time trying to find my own identity. Dude, I get
1: it. I I struggled. You know, it was, you you go to high school, you get good grades, you go to college, you get a degree and you go find that job out of college. Like that's the American dream quote
0: unquote. Kind of a generational thing too. I mean, how how old are you now, Dave? I'm 40. Yes, I'm 48. I reckon around that sort of that 10 year generational piece certainly with our parents growing up, they didn't know much different, right? You know, it was, there was a change after that, but in that sort of age group that we are, I see a lot of people with a similar, a similar story.
1: Yeah. I ended up becoming a college dropout because I just, I didn't get it. Like I would sit there in class and I would question the person giving the lecture, like you've never done what you're telling me, right? You're you're not a practitioner. It just doesn't, that's still a problem. Like (laughs) you're teaching me from a book that you're reading. So what you're just one chapter ahead of me. And I could get up and teach the class. It just it just never fit. Again, it was that one puzzle piece off. And it wasn't until um I actually began on my entrepreneur journey later in life that I realized what I had done all along was, was entrepreneurial. You know, at, at nine years old, I remember um everybody always complimented my grandpa's tomatoes, like they were the best, juiciest tomatoes. <laughs> pay so much money for them. So once a week, I would go get a big cardboard box and I'd just go steal like a box of tomatoes out of his garden. And I'd set up a table at the end of my driveway and within a few hours, I'd sell them out, you know, 50 bucks later. And uh, so, so stuff go. like that. It's, the the modern, lemon, the now, modern like,
0: lemonade stand, so to speak. Yeah. So, so, so was there anyone, cause I said my father who was kind of, there and not there that was he was definitely entrepreneurial when you find out his story later but um did you have anyone in your family like even down to grandparents uncles anyone else who was more entrepreneurial that's kind of there? No, but- not not at all
1: you know both, wow. both of my uh grandparents you know both of my grandfathers were very again blue collar raised in the midwest uh you know one was uh, one was an engineer you know they were both um in the military they were both in the army during world war ii One of them was actually a POW for three and a half years under the Japanese, the Philippine Baton Death March, right? So that's kind of the environment that I grew up in was very Midwest blue collar, hard work. You know, you shake somebody's hand, you look them in the eyes, which the core values that that instilled in me today, I I couldn't be more grateful for because it's it's crazy that those values are just diminishing. Like you just don't see those people that have, you know, what I call hitman honesty, integrity, and trust. And it's, if you Mm -hmm. find somebody that, I think that's one of the things that attracted me to you, Nick. It's like, you were instantly, man, we, 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 we talked the first time we met, I think the energy was so high. Like we had to (laughs) clear the room because it just wasn't okay to have us both in the same space at that time. But it it was instantly you were a hit. I knew you were honest. You had integrity and you had trust. And the more i got to know you, Uh, The more I've seen those qualities in you too. So.
0: Well, thank you. I appreciate it, and and I want to touch on a word you mentioned then, because it's something that I've noticed over the last few months that is is very key to probably your values, and that's gratitude. Yeah, there isn't there isn't a social media post I think that you don't do that hasn't got some form of gratitude in it. Um, How important has that been in terms of you know your life, and because it's it's clearly something that underpins who you are.
1: I can't. So if you could have picked one thing or one word. Um, it's, it's gratitude. It's being grateful. And when I started down my path of gratefulness, uh, years ago, it transformed my life. It truly changed my life. You can choose. That's why, you know, you, t- you started off with be folking awesome, right? That's on the website. Why wouldn't you be, you know, today's the best day of my life. I said that every day because it is, I don't care if I'm having a bad day. It's the best day of my life. And, uh, having, you have the choice to be grateful about what you have. There's always somebody in a worse position than you. No matter how bad you think of a day that you're having, there's always somebody that would kill to be in your situation in that very moment. Where did and, you uh, learn
0: that? Where did you first learn that? Because I, because I think it's something that a lot of people struggle with, and or or actually just to contextualize this, they might be grateful for what they have now but they struggle to be grateful about what's coming, right? And and both of those different things are quite important in terms of psychology. But where did you first come into the idea of this?
1: Because it wasn't obviously you know, in
0: your upbringing, I imagine, not something that was... No, not was at all. It? And,
1: and on, honestly, being a police officer, you become very pessimistic, right? You see the worst in people. So you yeah. like start to have that mindset. So it was a bigger mindset shift for me than than probably most. And it's... Honestly, I read, I, you know, here's, here's the books that I'm currently reading just like you have got a major bookshelf over here. <laughs> I've got them all over here. <laughs> I like to dabble more than one book at a time, but honestly it was, it was reading and just being around, uh, starting to put myself in the room with people like yourself and, and other high level people and realizing one of the similarities, of the people that were the most successful, not necessarily had the most money, but were the most successful in my opinion, yep. had a, a happiness and a gratitude mentality and you know my buddy brad lee once asked me a question and th- this was one that just still i'm like wow and i'm gonna i'm gonna ask you the same question right now nick. go for it nick would you rather me hand you a million dollars right now to do whatever you want to do with or wake up tomorrow morning i'll wake up tomorrow morning so waking up tomorrow morning is worth more than a million dollars
0: a million dollars doesn't buy much these days but you know $10, 000, 000. <laughs>
1: I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm playing, with you.
0: but no. I know. I mean, it's, it's, it reminds me of that um, that saying that you know, that the healthy person wishes for all these different things in the world, but the unhealthy person only has one wish, right? You know, which is to wake up healthy, to wake up yep. without that. So yeah. So yeah, for me, it's waking up tomorrow, right? Because nothing around my world is is bad at all. Right? So I want to do more of it. I want to experience more of it. Okay.
1: And, and help other people experience
0: more of it. Yeah, precisely, precisely. And I think once you, but once you connect with that, it's an interesting, it's interesting that we've gone here in the conversation. I'm quite glad we have actually. It's, I always segue off in weird ways. You'll get used to this. Um, you know, that, that a lot of people don't understand this concept and and therefore they're always in this, the way I sort of visualize it, they're in this, this tomb or this prison, right? Where they just feel everything's attacking them from all these different centers because they're not, centered themselves on anything that they've got which which is amazing right and you know if you think about you know our lives or even anyone around us versus you know the majority of the world right it's like the stuff
1: we've got is incredible no, it's amazing you know Nick you and I have something in common with every single listener that's listening to this right now and that is all we have we have a 100 percent success rate on surviving our worst days 100 percent we have successfully come through our worst possible days so if you can look at it from that standpoint as you have a 100 success rate on getting through your worst possible days then it's it's just so much easier to realize like just to be grateful for everything that you have because i promise you you may not have everything that you want but you have everything that you need Yeah. and uh, i learned that if when then uh and but are dirty words right so we we're saying Folk earlier, right, the correct way, not the dirty way, but if, when, then, and but are all dirty words, just worse than that, because when you start putting that in front of things, I'm going to do this when, I'm going to do this if, oh, but, you know, you start putting everything at arm's reach, and you start looking for all the things that you don't have in life, and then you start to focus around that, you know, why not focus on all the great that you do have.
0: Because you mentioned books beforehand, was was there one book out of all the ones you've read or touched on that kind of just changed or turned that light bulb on? Light 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 bulb, light bulb on for you?
1: Um, oh my gosh, there's so many. Um, you know, one of the first books for me, as far as down the entrepreneurial journey, was Rich Dad Poor Dad. You know, was was really thinking about that, and I think that one book really was the catalyst to change me as a person um, as I started on my entrepreneurial journey. Um, not maybe necessarily just for the, the gratefulness and gratitude side of things. Uh, but really that was one of those, you looked at it from a different way. You know, I realized I grew up with the poor dad in town. Um, that's what I was taught. And it was, it was, wow, there's another way. I wish I could have read this book 20 years ago. <laughs>
0: It's funny actually you know this morning I was doing a single podcast which I do because every every Monday is just me speaking and I actually talked about the cash flow quadrant today. Um <laughs> so funny literally two hours ago so there you go and i don't talk about robert kiyosaki every day (laughs) so it's strange bit of energy flow across the atlantic the universe is putting it out there
1: today for some reason
0: one last question on 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 this gratitude point because again where people listening you know sometimes people i always believe that the right message delivered at the right time can change anything so i just want to touch on this a bit more do you do you have a, a any practice that you do or anything that you kind of just to connect you with gratitude on a daily basis, or has it become so habitual now that you just can draw into that anytime you want?
1: So no, man, fantastic question. I actually created rituals in the beginning and, and still hold some of them true, but now it is just, I wake up this way. Um, I, you know, it's, I, I've done it long enough that I just wake up and I live my life this way. It's in my DNA now. Uh, but a, a couple good things. And actually I started sharing it with my teams at my different companies that i that i own or operate and one of the things that we would implement you know is what's good wednesday and because you know you cannot be in a negative mindset when you're being grateful it's just it's it's impossible you cannot have a negative thought or be in a bad mood when you're expressing gratitude and so We would go around and I would make everybody on the calls, or everybody in the rooms, share one thing that they're grateful for that day. And, you know, there was a little, people look forward to that more than anything. It's it's infectious when you start spreading good news. And then I had a, I have a, you know, I've always got my my journal that I carry with me all the time. Um, I journal what I'm grateful for. Um, So one or two things, right? First thing in the morning, what I'm grateful for that day. You know, what am I most grateful for today? And it's just simple things like that. Um, to help you look through the lens of gratitude versus oh man I gotta get up and do this thing right Hey, I'm grateful I got up.
0: <laughs> yeah I love it I love it. Well let's uh, let's talk now a little bit about business And I think let's start with um, the the speech if you like or the conversation that connected us right um, because you know the main business that you um, work, on I should say is reputation rhino i mean you've got other investments and, and things like that i imagine are probably a little bit more passive you're involved but not as involved but this is the story that i heard in your um in your speech in tampa and it was an acquisition of this business can you give us a brief rundown of of what the business is how you found it uh, the deal that you did but more importantly, what I want to get into is what you've done with this business since you've acquired it. Because that to me is for everyone listening here who struggles sometimes with the idea of growth and scale, the way that you've kind of architected and then executed the plan, I think is worth people hearing.
1: Yeah. So before we dive into that, I actually want to go back a little bit further and explain why that acquisition even came to be. And, you know, this acquisition wasn't the first business that i would owned or operated. Uh, this is many down the line, and I don't know if I've heard this part of the story. <laughs> yeah, uh, a couple, a couple of the businesses you know that we had grown, we had grown in scale a little bit, and One was number one in the industry, the other one was number three, and we're sitting here looking at a strategy session and going, "Man, how do we how do we grow again? How do we take number three to number one?" And I sat back and I looked at it, and it's you know somebody had a conversation. It's like you're a ten level talent, you're putting a ten level effort in a two level industry. And I was like, oh, oh wow. like that just clicked with me. I'm like, what, what do you mean? And they're like, look, you're spending all your time, money, energy, and resources trying to figure out how to go from, you know, eight million to nine million, you know, eight million to 10 million. And, and I'm like, okay. And he's like, why not just go acquire a $2 million company in a couple months? And you're there? instead of spending two years to get that $2 million, you got it two months. And I was like, whoa. And so the growth through acquisition, um, Light bulb came on, and I started spending some time around that and realized, man, there's a million. And that's the talk that I talked about in Tampa. Is the first half of the talk was why I'll never start up another business ever, uh, and I'll only acquire from here on out. And then the other one was kind of the case study of how I acquired this, what I did with it, and how I really scaled it. And that's really, you know, once I realized all the benefits of why you should be acquiring and I don't want to say it's easy, but it's not as hard as people make it out to be, right? If I can do it, I'm a big dummy from a blue-collar blue mindset, you know, with with no Ivy League education and, you know, financial background, blah, blah, blah. Um, if I can figure out how to acquire businesses, leveraging other people's money and, and different things, anybody can. And, you know, that's, that's the biggest thing. If I could get somebody to listen, to, to have that growth through acquisition, opportunity, light bulb go off on them today, uh, like it did for me, that, that's a huge step.
0: Let's, let's pause there for a sec, because there's two, there's two things I want to get your perspective on here. So when people enter that world of, because I think there's a lot of messages out there now, communication around acquisitions, particularly because of you know wealth transfer and baby boomers and all that, which is all very, very true. Um, there's a lot of other stuff, which is a lot of the businesses that are out there in that marketplace are so poorly structured. Right. You know, there's a stat, a true stat that I've um, been leaning into recently that 20% of businesses doing under 10 million in revenue actually sell. And the reason for that is there's no transferable value, but play with this for a second. So when someone comes into this world and they say, okay, I get this, you know, I want to go and buy a business as opposed to starting one to become entrepreneurial or become more entrepreneurial. The two issues that people face is finding these deals right? And finding the deals that, that can be structured in a way that's the most favorable. We can get into that. And the second thing is people haven't got the money or they, oh, okay, let me put it this way. They, they don't think they're resourceful enough to find the money. <laughs> All right. So, so just talk about those two concepts, either from your own personal perspective or, or from other, you know, you've been in this world a little bit now, like I have that you've seen around that, because I, I see a lot of people start and, and then just give up because they can't master those two areas.
1: Yeah. So I see a lot of people too put business acquisition out as, well, I have to be a successful business owner and own and operate other businesses before I can start acquiring. Um, I think business acquisition can be anybody trying to get into it, as well as people adding things to the portfolio. And really what you need to decide is, I think why people struggle in that area is there's two very different types of business acquisitions. Are you going to be in the day to day, are you going to be operating it? Or are you trying to buy it as an investor where you just sit back and let everybody else run it? And so I think a lot of people struggle with that is, you know, people look at this as, oh, I don't I want somebody else to do it, but yet they go in and buy a business that they have no idea anything about. They don't know about the industry. Um, they may not know the numbers or anything like that. And so they struggle with that type of thing. So what I would say is as you're going through this, the first thing, is just start jumping on sites like BizBuySell um, or Deal Tracker or any of those and just start looking to see what's out there. Just look to see what's for sale. Um, I would spend a little bit of time just looking and seeing what's for sale, what the asking price is, uh, just to start getting familiar with that stuff. And then, you know, you can reach out to business brokers and, and uh, ask their questions and whatnot but there's plenty of information out there about it but start figuring out what the heck's out there what's for sale what it's going to cost you um, as far as the finance inside of it nick there's tons of money out there there's tons of money just sitting waiting to be deployed all you got to do is find
0: and that, it um, and and that, that this part this part comes up quite a bit so so again i just like your perspective and we can kind of you know as, as acquisition entrepreneur guys, we can bat back and forth in this for, to help people. A lot of people um, reach out to me, obviously through this show, and they are obsessed with the whole um, no money down concept. Yeah. And some of them have got like literally zero credit, all sorts of stuff going on, but they're bought in to this world because you know it sounds so compelling. Of course, if you jump to the other side of the table, right, us as business owners, I'm not going to sell you my business for no money down, dude, Right. <laughs> It's <laughs> not gonna happen. So so you've got this kind of interesting thing. So realistically, just so we can demystify this for people, when you go into buy a business and you know, again, you can share your perspectives, is it really no money down, none out of your own pocket, or is it a little bit, just a bit, right, out of your own pocket, but the rest you can leverage? What's your what's your view on that?
1: Well, for all the lawyers listening, it depends. Uh, <laughs> That's um, called
0: sitting on the fence in my world, my, my friend. It is, it is.
1: So, But I've done, I've done both, right? I have acquired businesses with zero dollars out of my pocket. Um, you know, I, I have a friend and a mentor who's amazing at that. Um, but most of the acquisitions require some sort of investment. You have to have some sort of skin in the game. It depends. Are you buying a $200,000 company or are you buying a $20 million company? You're not gonna be buying a $20 million company for zero out of pocket. It just, it doesn't exist. Now, the zero out of pocket mentality, I will say, is great from the standpoint of, it gets you to think creatively. Um, For instance, a down payment, hey, we, we negotiate a down payment of call it 20%, but they have a list and I have a product. I've convinced them to email their list with my product did any money that we raised on those sales went toward the down payment so i covered half of it half of 50 percent of that cool. payment that's cool. the episode, let's underline again, that that's on the line yeah it's it <laughs> started thinking creatively outside the box like well, okay great oh they're like oh heck yeah like this guy's serious about buying my business so they blasted out to their list of hundreds of thousands of people we raise money and then, boom, it covers half the down payment. So just just a um,
0: pause for everyone here, because you just said something super important, and I'm just going to kind of um, summarize it. An asset is not just money, right? Oh, an, a- an asset God. can be a product you have, like Dave was just saying. It can be your network. It can be a skill set that someone hasn't got but they need, right? So when we leverage, it doesn't, you know, if you haven't got the cash you might have something actually more valuable as an asset. So I just want to summarize, because that's kind of what you said. And that's where people can think differently.
1: I look at how I can leverage the business right away. So then that'll get more into, as we get into the growth and scale, it's like, what's leverageable right now? Like what out the gate day one can I use to affiliate partner, send over here, work with us to my other companies and stuff like that. But before we, let's get back to pre-acquisition, right? Yeah. Um, But get creative around, right? Maybe you go through, you negotiate it, you come down with you know a 20% down payment, you go get a partner at that point and say, hey, you want to come into this deal with me, you can buy in X amount of equity for X amount of dollars and make that partner who's coming in, put the money up front to buy the down payment. So now you went into it with no money out of pocket, you got a partner in the deal who got equity, but you still got the, the company and it's zero out of your pocket. So- there are ways to get zero out of zero out of your own pocket, but the, I think the misconception, Nick, that you're talking about is people just think, "Oh, I can buy a business with no money down," and it's it's not it's really not the case.
0: It's kind uh, of a it's kind of a um, for me it's it's there's there's two parts of that scenario. There is I can go and just you know buy a business with no money down exactly what you just said, or I can't buy a business because I've got no money. Right, <clears throat> two, two edges of the, of the whole thing here. So, therefore, they stop. Right. And, you know, I find a lot of people, I was speaking to a, a friend of mine, Carl Allen, who's pretty big in the acquisition space. And um, he's got 11,000 people that have gone through his programs. He's done heaps of acquisitions. But he, he said, he said, you know, it's funny, like he teaches the same content, right? He teaches the same process. It's a great process. Um, but the percentage of people that are successful is still very, very small, right? Because people give up too quickly. Like they 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 call the broker from biz buy sell, you know the broker you know asks for proof of funds or something like that, and and then you know the potential acquisition entrepreneur freaks out, doesn't think oh god like I know someone who could give me the money for this, th- th- their brain just doesn't seem to open up to those opportunities, and and that's what happens. Which I, that's why I wanted to talk to you about some of this because you know you you do so think creatively. That, that's mistake number
1: one is is having a call with the broker and stopping. It. <laughs> Get on the phone with the business. Get on the phone with the guy who actually has the ability and the authority to sell the business. Right, a business broker. I've worked with more business brokers screw up deals than anybody else. If you work with business brokers in the right way, they can be great. I have a lot that send me deals because they know what my my target bumpers are, and I'm in constant communication with them. But they will screw up a deal faster than anybody else. Um, Maybe not intentionally, but to to be able to get those $0 downs or the creativity, really Nick, what it starts with is talking with the owner and finding out what their why is. Why are they listing the business? What do they want to do after the sale? Um, Are are they just tired and burnt out? Um, Have they reached a glass ceiling that they can't get through? Are they just, they're ready to retire and and set sail and and sail the country, you know, whatever it is, if you don't have that information, you're working with a fraction of your ability to close that deal, especially to get creative with it. Because creatively structuring a deal around how I can help that person, because I I know a lot of people just like you do, I have a lot of access. Maybe I can leverage some of the stuff in my other parts of my life to help this guy accomplish his why. Or maybe what I've done before is found out he he still has a passion for it. He just doesn't know how to grow up past where he's at. And that's where I come in and I acquire a portion of the company. Um, you know, it, it allows me to uh, consult for equity. That's probably a new buzzword now that you're seeing all the place. Um, but it's, I've it's been much- going
0: for years that I know it's, it's becoming another thing on the marketing um, is, journey, it's, but it's,
1: it's the new hotness now, you know?
0: Yeah. But, but, you know, it, it's traditional sort of advisors. If you like, if you've ever sat on a private equity board, you know, you get equity, right? It's kind of, it's, it's the whole thing. They want you locked in to the outcome as opposed to just being paid for time. Right. So, you know, it's, it's, it's an important thing. I've got eight of those at the moment. Um, yeah. What I call what I call micro micro investments for micro exits, and you know the, the goal for me is if I could have an exit every quarter because of those things, you know it doesn't take long for that to compound in terms of wealth creation, right? So you don't have to own a business outright to still create, you know, to still get to maybe whatever your objective is.
1: Yeah. And you know, one of the things that I like—I have you ever seen the signs like "We buy ugly houses"? Like the real estate investors. It doesn't happen over here house. very
0: much. The real estate market where you are is like—you know—people oh, on billboards and stuff there. Oh yeah,
1: you got bandit signs on every corner. Of I love it. I do like that. I
0: love that about the U.S.
1: <laughs> buy ugly houses. Well, that's me. I buy ugly businesses uh, because the uglier they are, when you look at it, you ask what I look at when I look for growth and scale. I look for you know uh, people process and products, right? Do they have, hey, this is a three million dollar and so just to clarify too, I like two to ten million dollar companies. I like those sub-10 million dollar companies that are ugly, that are generally owner operated. Um they're working 80 hours a week, they don't know what they're doing and they're they're stressed out and stuff like that, because that's where I have a team behind me and I just come in with my team. So I just wanted to give some context on the types of deals that I'm looking for. It's kind of that two to ten million dollars in revenue range, and I really won't look at anything that's under $1 million a million dollars EBITDA. If they don't have $1 million a million dollars EBITDA, there's not enough room for me to come in and deploy my access, um, because I always like to make sure that the company can service the debt servicing itself. I want to make sure that there's enough money in the company where it can cover the debt servicing and cover my team in whatever aspect they need to to come in and really right this wrong, get the ship in the right direction, whatever you want to call it. So people, processes, and products. Because at the end of the day, if you look at this thing and they've got you know, five-star reviews and they've got a great product or a great service that they're offering, but they don't know how to market. Or their website sucks. You know, crap, that's easy. You know, the the hard part is having raving fans having a good product or service. The easy part is the marketing right? To, to build a website or, 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 those types of things. So I look for, for ugly owner operated businesses where they're, where they're struggling. Of to course grow you out. can't
0: tell, you can't tell the owner that they've got an ugly baby, right? Cause that's some work. Cause every, every owner thinks oh, their, their baby's the beautiful. most beautiful thing I've ever seen. <laughs> let's um let's, let's get this practical now. I'm conscious that I want to get into the machine. Cause we, we, we sold that as, as the conversation at the beginning. So we have to deliver now. Um and we can talk about Reputation Rhino or any of the other things, but I, I know a little bit of the story with Reputation Rhino, so it's quite cool. But when you when you come into a business like, like that, you know, um, and obviously you're looking for some stuff that you can optimize and improve, you're looking for gaps where your experience capability can can be plugged in to get that growth and scale. Just take us through just how that, look a bit of a case study, Dave, if we can, about how that happens. Kind of from the very beginning all the way through to when you think, you know what, this is now humming along. It may not be perfect, but we've really got this thing starting to motor.
1: Yeah, and so it really depends on, I'm looking for either a stable, recession-proof type business or something that's in a blue ocean, right? Okay. Um, trash collection. That's a stable, recession-proof business. That's going to happen regardless of what the economy is doing. Like there's certain types of ugly jobs that people want to do. And um, so I'm looking for something like that or something that I feel like is a growing um, industry or has a huge future or a blue ocean in front of it, kind of the blue ocean analogy. And, you know, you, you can see a lot of that. And so with Reputation Rhino, um, we specifically are online reputation management. And so we basically help people look their best online. And looking at the emphasis and the eyeballs that are online. And now the first thing you do when you meet somebody new, Nick, what do you do? You go to Google, you type in their name and you pull up and see what you can find about them. It's actually down to 74%. This is crazy. Regardless of industry, 74% of people look you or your business up online and determine if they're going to do business with you before they ever speak to you. So, so if, you haven't got those,
0: if you haven't got those assets in place or there's typos all over your website or whatever else, then that says something straight away without even a conversation happening.
1: Correct. You know, it's, it used to be when you're talking marketing and stuff like that, it's all the conversion, the conversion, oh, more leads, more conversion. Well, now it's almost the conversation is changing to, look, three quarters of your potential leads never even became a lead because they can't find anything about you online or that worse yet, they saw something negative about you online. And so for Reputation Rhino, it was it was the blue ocean side of it, right? Um, I thought that this has a huge, a lot of legs. And as you mentioned, that's where I'm spending most of my time. I'm actually operating as the, I stepped in, uh, put the CEO hat on, um, actually just did a partner, uh, brought my partner and good friend and business partner in on that, Kevin Harrington, um, because that's a that's a fun one to be in. And so to get to the point of what am I looking at, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use Rep. Rhino as kind of the case study. Yeah, yeah,
0: please do. So I it's think it's very similar. Frame it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's, this is the framework we'll talk about, but it's but it's agnostic of the industry, really. So, and it, it comes down to, you know, people process products, right? The first thing I'm looking at is I'm, I'm, I dissect the numbers. I want to understand the numbers. I want to see um, the expenses and things like that. So one of the first things I'm doing is I'm tearing apart the numbers and creating kind of a projection of what I need to do over the next 12 to 24 months. More often than not, there's such a waste in expenses that don't need to be um, that you can find a, 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 an influx of cash right off the bat. Just What sort like, of
0: things jump out? Like, you know, if you're looking at the, at the P&L, you know, and the balance sheet to some extent, what jumps out?
1: Yeah. So they set up for like reoccurring subscriptions and it's kind of walking through the, during the due diligence period, it's walking through kind of the P&L with the owners. Like what's this used for and when's the last time you used it? Uh, I don't know. Check mark, right? <laughs> and it's kind of going through item line item by line item, and then when they they know what it's used for, I'm like, great. What percentage? How is that used to generate revenue for the company? And what percentage of revenue does it account for, right? And so I'm looking for, oh, this thing is awesome, and it's five hundred dollars a month, but yet it's tied to something that's less than one percent of revenue. It's done. Five hundred dollars. We don't need it. Um, so I start to refocus. What I found is, is business owners, when they get to the point of when they want to grow and scale, what do they do? They stop focusing on their core products that got in there and they start adding, they start going, they start going horizontal and they start adding all these other products and services in there that aren't their core thing. Oh, they saw revenue go up, but yet revenue went up like 5%, but yet they spent more than 5% to do these things. So really that's one of the things that I'm doing is I'm trying to quote unquote, trim the fat. I want to get the conversation back around to what's the thing that's generating 80% of our revenue. And if it's outside of that 80, it's how fast can I cut it?
0: Okay. Got it. So you focus on, you focus on that kind of, yeah, as you said, the one thing or the 80% thing. Okay. Okay. So I get that for fully. So you're kind of cutting back to focus. What's next?
1: So that that's, that's step one is what can I cut? What can we focus on? Uh, the next step is really technology. We are, man, being an entrepreneur 10 years ago and being an entrepreneur today are so different. Um, the amount of technology platforms and technology resources out there, you can find a software or a system to do damn near anything. And human capital is the most expensive thing that's going to be in your payroll, right? Is Your payroll is the biggest thing on your P&L. Um, and don't get me wrong. I'm a huge people person. Um,
0: you're talking to people at private equity for years. So don't worry. You're talking.
1: We'll, yeah. <laughs> so, we'll, we'll get right. to the part of the, I, I'm a huge people person. You know, I'll put the disclaimer out there. It's train people so well that you, uh, they can leave you, but treat them so well that they never will. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but they are, you no, know, they are the most expensive. They're mo- the most unreliable. An uh, inconsistent thing in any business is, is, is your team. And it's just, it's truth. No matter how good they are, they, they are those things. And so I look at what technology is currently in place in the company. Is it being utilized, right? Because technology in a company that people aren't using really is, you, know, you don't have it. So what technology is in place? What's the utilization of it? Um, and then what other off-the-shelf things can I implement right off the bat? to increase uh, effectiveness and efficiency. And so what I want to do is help those people, I, I, is my role as a CEO, the, the, the way that I look at it, or even an investor as I'm coming in with my team, is my goal is to remove obstacles. That's it. Tear down roadblocks and remove obstacles that's, help, that's hurting the team from being as effective and efficient as they possibly can in their daily work. And so that's really, I put the, how do we, op, how, let's get shit done faster and how can we be more effective in doing so? Efficient yep. people, that, that's one thing I want to talk about. Efficiency is you're just really good at doing something. It doesn't mean that you're moving the needle. So I don't want just efficiency, I want effectiveness, right? Because you could efficiently waste your day and clear your inbox and your email out without getting much done. And so I look at, I, everything that I do is needle, rompers, right? What's gonna move the needle and how can we be more effective? And so step one, trim the fat. Step two, look at technology. What's in place, what's the utilization? What's missing that can make a quick impact right off the bat? Are
0: there, are there certain pieces when we talk about technology, because it's such a broad church, right? Are there certain things that you think are just fundamental to every business in terms of, in terms of technology, platforms, automation?
1: Yeah. So it, it, what's, And it's funny because you're seeing more and more re- remote environment companies. Yeah. I made the decision six, seven years ago to re- go remote. All of our companies run remote. I manage and operate multi-million dollar organizations from a laptop anywhere in the world. And that was my personal preference. Um, but when I did so, I looked back at how, again, inefficient working in an office space could be really easy. Like, oh, I have a question for Susie. I get up from my desk, I walk around the corner, I go talk to Susie, but on the way there, I talk to five people and I talk to five people. So what should have been a 10-second question turns into a 15 minute in trip, right? and so things internal communication platforms like a slack um i think is just invaluable whether it's whether you use slack or something else but i think invaluably your ability to communicate with people internally that's not email uh for almost instant instant conversations you can get an answer that you need really quick you can assign tasks you can form groups right hey this these five people are going to work on this project, create a new thing. And the only people that communicate in this group are the five people, right? I don't have to walk around. So that is, that is a staple staple. Number one in any business that I have, the first thing I'm doing is putting Slack in Um, zoom. Obviously this we're on zoom right now. Zoom is zoom is, I I can't operate without zoom, especially working a, a remote environment um so slack and zoom are probably number one and number two things
0: what about what about crm systems and things like that does every business need one in your opinion 100
1: percent, you have to um and, and so that that goes back to what's the software that's in place and what's the software that's missing right. you know with reputation rhino for an example the, the the owner was amazing but he was working 80 hours a week and here was the crm he was using a, a friggin' notepad, like,
0: <laughs> God.
1: and he would set email reminders in his Outlook. And I'm like, how do you operate a business that way? How do you follow up with leads? How do you do anything? And so I, I think a CRM is fundamental, not only to be able to store um, store client records and conversations, but the ability to then market to them. You set up fun- uh, funnels and drips and things like that. Like. Yeah. That there is there is no greater thing than a CRM that you could have in your business if it's set up efficiently and effectively. And two, you know, what's the purpose of acquiring this company? Are we acquiring it just to sit and hold on it and do it for the next 20 years? Or, or is it an investment opportunity where we want to sell it off? And so I always look at what is the, you know, you and I know it you can you can fine-tune the bottom line numbers only so much. You can finesse them to make it look more money. But really when you exit a business as you're the exit guy, it's the multiple that matters, right? It's, it's really the multiple of, of what you get on that bottom line. And uh, so I'm looking at ways that we can, uh, I call them uh, multiple maximizers, right? What are my multiple maximizers? And having a CRM with all this client data, like if I've got a list of 300,000 people, that's a value by itself. We talked about this earlier. Like I went to another company and they had a list and I just said, hey, market my product to that list and we'll, we'll, we'll rev share it and all the money that we raise raised towards the down payment. Um, but that list by itself is of value. Um, it, it's going to help increase that multiple uh, when it comes time to exit. So, yeah, to, long, long story short, CRM is a must.
0: Got it. So we've got so far, just to summarize for everyone. So we've, we've said we're going to come in here and we're going to cut back we'll make sure the business is running efficiently, certainly from a financial and cost base. We've looked at technology, but actually what we did talk about there was process underpinned by technology as well. So the processes need to be clear, I think, to then probably make good decisions around the technology. What's after that? So you've done that. You've come in there. You've kind of everything's looking like, you know, you've got much more visibility now. I can see by the way you've
1: described it. What's next? Yeah. So then it comes down to the processes and the people, right? The technology element is who, so the people, who do I have right now? Um, and, and honestly, it's, it, it's the Jim Collins talk about the bus, right? It's, oh, yeah. it's the right person <laughs> in the right seat on the right bus, you know? Um, and that's what I'm looking at is what people do I have? I have learned the hard way. It's cost me millions of dollars, many a headaches, um, many illegal battles. I only work with A players. That's it. If you're not an A player, you can work anywhere you want, just not here. Um and so I'm looking at the people, right? Um, and why is
0: that? Just to just to unpack that for people who may not understand the concept of A and B players, which you know gets talked about in, in a number of different books. Um one of the ones I really love um is by Keith Cunningham, where he talks, He's got oh, a great that, that he, Fantastic book. book. It's, um what's it called? Oh. Um what's that book called again? I've got it here somewhere. It's
1: The Road Less Stupid. So The Road right Less now, Stupid. Yeah, The Road Less Stupid. I've I've got it right over there. I've read it multiple ah. times. You know, <laughs> think, 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 go have a thank and you'll thank me later. Uh, but exactly yeah, right. So, so complete side note. You're welcome, Keith Cunningham. Stop what you're doing and go get that book if you've never read it. It is guaranteed top ten books that I've ever read, and I've read thousands. Uh, so, the road goes stupid by Keith Cunningham. Anyway, back, so A back players.
0: To the so, your definition of a game for people who haven't read the book. <laughs> an A player, and certainly your your sort of d- description of an A player. Who are they?
1: Yeah. So, A players are not only from their ability but their attitude and their cultural fit, yeah. right? You may have a rock star ability, but they are, cult, they are cancer to your culture. They're not an A player, right? So not only can they, they need to be able to perform at a high level. They need to have a, a, a good attitude of they want to help the team and a team player. Um, you know, it's it's funny. So we, we were talking about reputation right now. The culture is huge for me. And I've told you I'm a, I'm a huge people person. So one of the first things I'll do is I'll go in and I'll establish the culture that I want. And it's hard, especially with a new acquisition. You can't be careful. You can't come mash in a new culture right away. But <laughs> I will start to put little things in to morph into the culture that we want. And it starts with core values, mission statement, purpose, right? Having clear understandings of what those are and team members that can buy into them. So your team members have to buy into your core values, your mission statement, and your purpose. Um, and it's your, your core values, you, Terms, right? These are non-negotiables. This is what we do. This is our DNA uh, that we focus on. And if you have team players that aren't invested in those, you know, they tend to not be A players. Um, you know, team players, I want somebody who, somebody that says, that's not my job. Like that is just nails on chalkboard for me. Um, your, your job is overall to help this company, right? And if so-and-so needs help with something or you get repositioned over here just for a minute, You know, don't go, that's not my job. Or you knew it needed to be done you just sat back on the side and just watched and waited because you knew it was going to fail. Like that is not the definition of a day player for me. Um, I personally like people that work from the top down, not from the bottom up. Um, So Nick, if you walk into work today and you have nothing to do, people that work from the bottom up are just going to sit there and twiddle their thumbs, text friends, go have, go make coffee, go have coffee, you know, water water cooler chat (laughs) conversations. But people that work from the top down they're going to find stuff to do. They're going to be like, okay, what, what do we need to do? Like I I'm done with my stuff. They're going to go find somebody to help them find something to do. So I like people that work from the top down, not from the bottom up. They're going to go find something to do. They're going to be a team player and back to our Rhino and the whole culture thing. Um, we, we own it. We call ourselves rhinos um, you know, much like a, a flock of birds, a, a group of birds is <laughs> called a flock. Yeah. A, a group of rhinos is called a crash. Uh, so we call ourselves a crash. Yeah. So when we hire new people, we don't say welcome to the team. We say, welcome to the crash. And, uh, right. It's the crash is a group identification for rhinos and we embody, you know, that we actually have a, uh, Rigsby. He's our rhino. He's our mascot. He's our buddy, but rhinos, um, are passionate. They're focused, their strength. Um, they can only see 30 feet ahead of them, believe it or not. And so that's why when they run, they run together as a crash. Um, at full speed, even though they don't know what's ahead of them. Was this so stuff in
0: place before you, before you acquired this business? Oh, God, no, this was not in
1: place. There was no There was no. So, so Reputation
0: out. Rhino was just called that because it sounded cool and there was two
1: hours together. It sounded cool. And so I figured out, I, you know, I look at it, I look at the culture, and I'm like, oh, my God, the Crash is amazing. Um, a Rhinoceros Success. That's another little quick read book. Have fun with it um it. It, it'll take you like 30 minutes to read but it's 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 fun but yeah we have fun with it so that's the culture we we identify ourselves as a crash we run together at full speed even if we don't know what's ahead of us um so we, we charge right? right we charge what's it.
0: interesting about what you've just said just to kind of jump in quickly is there are four things so in my private equity there are four things that define the multiple range right in private equity so you can't define you, you can't define um or or touch the actual um Uh, the highs and the lows of the range. That's decided by the capital market and then the industry. But what you can decide is where you sit on the range. And the four things are, they're, they're what we call intangible capitals, right? So the first one is human capital. Second one is structural capital processes. Third one is customer capital. So the quality of the customer base. So, you know, you're not reliant on any one customer. You've got diversification. And the fourth one is called social capital, which is culture. Yeah so to maximize to maximize the multiple at the highest possible level which is actually going to give you the most money when you exit it's more than the financials actually um is those four things which you've just described but I don't know if you appreciated the um the pe viewpoint on that you might have done it no, randomly I love your but there forward. you go
1: <laughs> human structural, customer and social i actually wrote it that down. is it
0: that is it yeah, that's the thing so when i when you look at a business that might be doing really well from a revenue and profit perspective and they're going to get some level of um value against that it's the it's those four other areas that will give you the 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 flex and the compounding of the multiple so there you go
1: very cool processes and people so establish the culture right Core values all those things um what are the processes in place? like how what do we do and how do we do it (laughs) and one of the first things i'll do is i'll actually hire a documentation team like I did this for AppRyno, to come in and spend two weeks with us and literally to shadow the different people that do the different things. And they literally create the processes of everything that they do. and try right, so to creating
0: that. like the SOPs and all that sort of stuff. So, because so, a lot do, of these so basically documents everything that's happening. And then do you, I suppose you're not improving things at this point. You're just seeing what's there.
1: Right. I need to know, if I need to hire somebody today, how do I train them to do what we do and what do we do? Um, and so most of these companies don't have Detailed SOPs, right? Once we start to get to your world, the PE and the above 10 million, this is kind of staple, second nature things. But those two to $10 million companies that are owner operated, they're just trying to figure out how to survive and how to get the next buck. It's the
0: reason why, you know, I mentioned beforehand, the reason why only 20% sell when they're under 10 million of these reasons, right? So if you can't transfer something, like if I sell you a business, but I don't, you know, you've no idea what you're buying, you're not going to buy it, right? Because otherwise it's not worth anything.
1: Yep. And then uh, we'll, we'll actually have somebody do uh, turn them into videos. So we've got our own LMS. We just do training videos and stuff like that. Oh, and yeah. so we'll just do training videos on each one of these things and upload them. And so that's the nice part is when I now hire this person, you know, they're training right out the gate here, go watch these modules. Here's your SOP. And they're going to learn how to do these things as well as shadowing. But yet you can't be scalable or, and you can't grow and be scalable when the person that does that job has to. Take themselves out of doing the work to train the next person up, right? It's how do we train and bring people on without having to interrupt the day of the people that are already doing work, right? That that's scalability to me. Awesome. Um,
0: <clears throat> okay, so, so we're we're coming close to time. So I want to I don't want to rush this because this is great. I'm literally letting you go through because I want I want people to get the end to end. <laughs> I realize it's probably a little bit more complex than an hour of this conversation, but continue continue for a bit and because i want to kind of you know this for me this is the big thing around when you go in there to try and operationalize something what are the absolute musts and i think that's what we're
1: capturing now
0: and so it's it's
1: it's getting a hold of what's there right so when i walk in <clears throat> of course we want to grow right of course we want to do more revenue but i want to know how do we maintain what we have right yep. what are we doing to do what we do today and how do we maintain then we create the, establish the processes. we got the
0: fundamentals and the
1: foundations in place. Yep. We, we build the foundation uh, and we do that through human capital, uh, through technology, <laughs> through processes, right? And then once we have that foundation in place, then and only then can you really look at, okay, what do we need to move the needle in core? Um, because if you start bringing on all sorts of stuff, it's 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 going to be crazy without that foundation. You know, building Let's, the just, house.
0: let's touch on growth then, uh, and, you know, as as a as a point as a point to kind of wind up a little bit here. So, so the foundations are in place, right? You've you've gone in there. You understand exactly what you've got. You've got your arms around it, as you said beforehand. You've made some changes where it's necessary. The culture's humming along. And now you're thinking, okay, let's grow. Now, we know that there's two ways of growing a business, right? We know you can buy other businesses and bolt them all together, but that's a little bit more advanced. Um, the, 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 the easiest thing or the low-hanging fruit is to get your marketing and sales dialed in, your traffic and your conversion. So what's your 100%. philosophy around that? How do you approach that?
1: So once we get to the growth thing, the thing that I'm doing simultaneously while I'm doing that as well is looking at how can I leverage my existing database? Like, how can I get some quick money in? So again, we talk about your customer list and your database is a value. And I, fi- I try and find immediate wins and immediate value to get an influx of cash in. Like, can I co-market this other product that's very similar to this? Can I offer these other things? Can I affiliate with somebody else who's, and use my list to do that to get a quick influx of cash in? Um, so, so that's that, all that done one. through. So
0: there's no advertising here at all. This is all through lists and partnerships and joint ventures effectively.
1: 100%. Yeah, because it's it's almost instantaneous. If you work with them, they've already got the funnels set up and things like that. I've got I've got the the data, the customer list that they need. They have everything done, so it's nothing more than having an introduction of my list to those people to get a quick influx of cash in.
0: Right. Um, Very good. And you want to be careful well.
1: about it, you know, you don't want to you don't want to ab- abandon your customers or your values and stuff like that. But once we get to the growth side, it really comes down to sales and marketing. Right? marketing a, a website, right? The website is most people go to somebody's website now. So is the website attractive? Is it, there's two, there's two types of websites, an educational website and a converting website. I, uh, you know, people spend all this money and make their websites educational. And that's great. You educate somebody, but you never convert them to a lead. Well, the whole goal of why we're here is we're a for-profit company. I want to make money. Um, so I need that lead to talk to one of my sales guys and, and, and do those things. So um from a marketing standpoint, website, then you're looking at, are they even doing any kind of paid traffic? Are they even doing something as simple as retargeting, which you believe it or not, most, a lot of businesses aren't. That's something as simple as retargeting is nothing more than people that are already coming to your website organically or however they get there. You're, you're just retargeting with their ads. So you show up in their Facebook and stuff like that, just to remind them to come back. Because most people don't buy the first time to the website. Most people don't buy the first time. So it's starting to create that stickiness element of where you just you know eventually we want to become omnipresent we show up at we start you know cyber stopping them if you will um but the sales side of it going back to the processes how how does our sales work um or how how are we having these calls um what's the efficiency of the sales process is there a script i'm a huge believer that you need a script and it's not a script that people. This is a whole other. We could have a whole other podcast on this thing. <laughs> I'm uh, sure we could. You know, you right.
0: haven't got someone reading it word for word, but it's. Sensitive, right. It's a I framework, it.
1: right? So what the quickest point from anything is from point A to point B. It's a straight line, right? But a lot of the times, heck, our our conversation on this podcast started off. We went off the Pluto. Oh yeah, um, we did. Grati- gratitude script- took
0: us off to another level, mate. That was it. it. Now <laughs> it does.
1: But a script does nothing more than you to bring you back to the conversation where you're at to keep you moving forward down to that point B. Um, so we're looking at the processes on that and, and it's getting the sales team dialed in. Um, it's getting the marketing dialed in. Um, I know where are we at on time so we can either wrap we're up. We're okay
0: or- for about five minutes. And I, cause I, I don't want to kind of, uh, I want to be respectful of your time. I said, we'd be speaking for about 45 minutes. We've gone much longer cause I knew we would. I, I should have made this longer. So I want you to, I want you to kind of finish this piece. Definitely. Right. Cause we can't leave the listeners hanging. Right,
1: Dave. Yeah. So <laughs> It's, in any sales process, you have to know what's working, right? And then it's how do we make it better? Um, for an example, our inefficiency of the sales process at Reputation Rino when we first took over was just mind boggling to me.
0: Was, was there a sales process or was it just literally a lead comes in and someone <laughs> I, grabs the phone?
1: I mean, well, no, not even, it wasn't even that. It was, there's a 24 hour answering service that would answer all the calls and they would take a message and then oh. email the guy. And then it was on him to, call them back or email them back. Oh my God. And, and,
0: like that could, and that could be like, you know, three days later, you might, oh my God.
1: Or you forget if you missed the email or whatever. Again, remember ugly businesses. And so if he's doing this well and generating this much revenue with this much ugliness, I'm like, oh, crap, this is easy. I just come put a process in here. Bam. Um, and so, yeah, looking at the process and, and changing it from there. And down to, we started doing our, 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 our demo calls, our calls on Zoom versus just a phone call. Because when you see somebody, um, you put a face with a name, you connect with them on a deeper level, little things like that, we started to see a higher close rate. Um, The proposals and how we sent stuff out, he would type up a Word document for every proposal, email it to the person, and then wait to hear back from them. He didn't have a follow-up process in place. All right, so he spent all that time writing
0: a proposal as well, which is painful. All this time writing a proposal,
1: he would send a Word document. When he heard back from them, he would say, oh, great. Um, he would then, when they wanted to move forward, he would then create a contract, load it up into Adobe eSign, send it off to them, wait for them to eSign, and then he'd have to send out an invoice. So one of the first things I did is like, oh, my God, this is this is nuts. Your, your sales process is taking 90 minutes per person when it should take 20 minutes. And so, again, that efficiency of being able to convert, have more sales conversations with with the same staff, and it's making, it's empowering them and removing roadblocks and obstacles. Remember, and so I brought in Proposify, which is a beautiful thing. It integrates with the it integrates with the CRM, so it automatically pulls the customer's information in, merge fields, all the things. You just select the the price or whatever it is. You send it out has built-in terms, conditions, and e-sign in the proposal. And then when they accept and sign, the very next thing it does is takes them to a, a, a screen to pay. So it's like it it completely the efficiencies of sales. So what you have to do is you have to automate your sales process and make it as simple as possible. People want to spend money. Um, The harder you make it and the more hurdles you make them jump through, um, the less likely they are. Um, Energy and benefit out is what I like to say. The more energy... Somebody has to extend in doing something, the less of a benefit it is for them. So you make it, you make the sales process as easy as possible and so simple that Homer Simpson can understand it, right? It's gotta be so simple that a third grader could go through it and understand it. All right, so I got a
0: final question on this for you. So, because the other the other word that jumps out for me is also creating some predictability, right? You want predictability around that whole kind of front, you know, the marketing and sales piece. So, so where do metrics or measurements of that sort of lead to sale come in in your world? How do you how do you do that?
1: Yeah, so one of the things that we actually build out is like customized dashboards. Um, you have to know your numbers. That's an any business, and it's being able to understand. Uh, you have to get a baseline, right? One of the first things you have to do is get a baseline and you go from there and you'll understand, you know, how many, how many leads are we getting or converting into discovery calls and how many of those discovery calls are turning into proposals, how many of those proposals are turning into deals. And you're able to start tracking those numbers. And if you don't know what those are, you're flying blind. You're literally shooting from the hip and you, you have no idea. So you have to have a way to track that data. Um, and it's also going to allow you to understand your, your efficiency and your strengths and who's doing good and who's doing bad. And it allows you to, you know, man, this call could be hours long, Nick. Well, I was just thinking Uh,
0: that we could unpack the whole thing here.
1: (laughs) I'm going to call this, this is going to be called operational precision,
0: operational precision version one or something. (laughs)
1: Yeah. We we could spend another hour talking about operational precision. You got to know your numbers, how to track your numbers, how to create the numbers, what numbers to track, how to interpret the data. Like,
0: Man. You're going to have to start to create your own educational content, Dave. I know you said you don't do that, but you're going to have to start doing it because <laughs> I document everything. When I started this podcast, it was like, I'm just going to put everything in my brain out there into the world to help people get to a certain level, right? That was it. And I kind of, it's funny, I did a, an episode yesterday where I said, listen, you don't need to come and speak to me. You can just listen to all the 200 and something episodes if you want to, <laughs> because it's all in there. It may not be um, tagged and, and everything else like that as beautifully as it could be but it's there right
1: there you go i'm just going to join uh scale up with nick bradley as a co-host uh for the next <laughs> six months we'll just unpack it all give it all to your listeners there's <clears> a mini course back.
0: here dave there's a mini course we can do right where they we can just take them through the end to end this is, is where true. you start and this is how it works um but let's wrap it up let's wrap it up i, I think we've been going for over an hour now into lots of different areas. Um, Question for you to finish up with. So, so now you've you know you've had some success. You've got a portfolio of companies. Um, clearly, you know your expertise and your passion is going in there and doing everything we just spoke about for the last thirty minutes or so. Really, really, you know, the energy jumping off the page here, off the off the mic as we're as we're talking. What's next for you, Dave?
1: Honestly, it's I'm going to keep doing the same thing. I love what I do. When I get out of bed. I enjoy it. Um, it's I'm going to keep keep doing the acquisition thing but really it's, for me, it's giving back. I think I told you earlier, you know, I want to accomplish one of three things every day. I either want to motivate, inspire, educate. And, you know, I'm very passionate about, for me, you know, we talked about this earlier. I, I didn't grow up in an entrepreneurial environment. Had I had access at 10, 15 years old to the things that I have access to today, it's just mind blowing. So like I take my son who's 14 to all these different events. If I ever speak He's there with me. He's a learning. He's he's creating relationships. Heck, he gets more gifts sent to the house. He just got a custom <laughs> pin sent to him this week uh, from a guy that he befriended at one of these, these mastermind events. I'm like, man, he gets more stuff than I do. Um, but it's, it's really these, you know, it, it's starting to give back. You know, it's helping the community of aspiring entrepreneurs and aspiring people that are looking to get in acquisitions any way that I can help, right? How can I help you? remove obstacles and uh you know break down barriers
0: well you've done you've done the motivation inspiration and education in one hit today in about 60 odd minutes there you go so your day is done you can go and you can go sit on the lawn somewhere and have a you know
1: mojito i mean you said it we (laughs) had to be fucking awesome today so why not be Exactly right.
0: Well, listen, honestly, we could have gone on for ages there. You've unpacked a heap of different stuff. So I hope people had their notepads out and took notes. It comes up all the time about what do you focus on first? Where should you focus? All that sort of stuff. And I think just to listen to that last 30, 35 minutes of where you went through that sort of end-to-end journey of how you approach it was super valuable. So listen, mate, it's been a long time coming, but I'm very pleased that you've come on the show. So thank you very much for gracing us with your presence and for being so generous with your time.
1: I am uh, grateful and honored to be here. And if anybody has any, you know, questions or anything that I can help them with that they want to unpack, just feel free to reach out to me. Um, so I'm, it's I'm
0: DaveFalk.com a- and that's F-U-L-K, just so just to be super clear. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. D-A-V-E-F-U-L-K.com, You know, that's not, right, not the, not the other way.
0: And and reputation Rhino, we spoke about. Check out that business as well. It's a really, you know, we talked a little bit about Blue Ocean. It's a fascinating business in terms of something which is growing. I think you know it's a bigger need than it's ever been and that need is growing. So check out that business as well. But I take it, Dave, people can reach out to you if they want to ask any questions or get further clarity. You're happy for
1: that? Yeah, absolutely. If they want to talk to me about obstacles, entrepreneurship, acquisitions, davefolk.com. If you're interested in how Reputation Rhino can help you look better online, maybe remove some of those negatives, build you up, uh, be more of an authority figure, more influential online, go to reputationrhino.com.
0: Awesome. Well, listen, thank you, Dave. Great having you on the show.
1: Yeah, thanks, Nick. Have a great day. Nick.
0: Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of Scale Up with Nick Bradley. If you enjoy the show just as much as I enjoy creating it for you, then I'd really appreciate you leaving a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And while you're there, why not subscribe to the channel so you never miss a future episode? It really helps me. It helps the show. Plus, it makes it easier for others to access the content that I'm producing week in and week out. And finally. If you want more information about anything you heard in today's show or to find out how you can get more help in scaling up your business and your life, click the link in the show notes now to learn about our coaching, mentoring, and mastermind programs.
1: See you soon.